This week's episode made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Hello, Memphis. It is your favorite day of the week, Tuesday. And I'm not just saying that because you get to hear from me and my co-host of the day, Anna Thompson. Good morning, Memphis. Guys, we are so happy to be here with you today. This is an extra special episode because we have three guests who are all honorees of the 2021 New Memphis Educator of Excellence Award. And we are so excited that we have gotten to honor them at our Celebrate What's Right Youth in the Arts luncheon last week. And so we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into who those people are. A.T., tell the people who is coming up. Well, I'm excited to say that this one's for the ladies. So that is my best baby mama reference, in (laughs) case you couldn't tell. Um, So it is true. We have five educators of excellence that we honored last week, and we will be talking to three of those honorees today on our show. And New Memphis, a little backstory, New Memphis began honoring educators of excellence in 2018, and we are so thrilled in partnership with the Cruz Foundation this year to be able to do it annually to show a little bit of appreciation for everything that educators do in our community. So today we will hear from Alexia Hernandez, who is an eighth grade math and algebra one teacher at Freedom Preparatory Academy Flagship Middle School. It's kind of a mouthful. Abigail Cover, who is a sixth grade special education teacher at Chickasaw Middle School and a 2021 New Memphis Stride alumna. Okay. And last but certainly not least is Kayla Jernigan, a third grade lead teacher at Vision Preparatory Charter School. And in the typical teacher speak, it makes me want to say, one, two, three, eyes on me. <laughs> I think it's so fun. I love getting to interview teachers in this interview. I'm super excited for. I feel like I say I'm super excited about everything on this podcast super, at least super. like twice per episode. But it's true. This is so fun to get to do. It's so fun to bring these stories to the public because everybody listening right now, I know me, AT, you have, we all have that teacher, right? that we remember that made an impact on our lives in some way, shape, or form. And I just feel, especially with the pandemic that happened the last couple of years, teachers have been put through it. Absolutely. I mean, so as Christy said, everybody has that teacher. And what is better than thinking about that teacher than celebrating teachers so um, it's a celebration guys it is a celebration so join in with us and celebrate our educators of excellence let's do it hey alexia thank you so much for being in studio with us how are you good i'm doing great thank you for having me yeah we're super excited to have you and coming off of our educator of excellence award ceremony at our recent CWR. Um, we have so many questions for you that we want to hear about your experience in the classroom, being a teacher in Memphis, and all of the fun, exciting things. So let's get started. Okay. First, I have to jump in here and say congratulations. Yeah. Big, big, big congratulations. This is, I mean, I feel I like I'm a little it. biased, but this is a prestigious award. It is. It is <laughs> hard fought and it is a really great talent pool that we it was a hard decision to like have to we had so many great applicants which is a good problem to have and yeah but awesome you rose to the top thank (laughs) you congratulations thank you so much i appreciate it yeah so let's start with like the basics i want to know why you choose to teach why do you choose to teach and why do you choose to teach in memphis um you know my journey to teaching was so not what I expected. Um, my, I really wanted to start like um, working with like the federal government or even um, at a state level. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that time when I was applying, a lot of um, people were just telling me, you know, you'd be great in the classroom. You'd be great in the classroom. Um, and my mom is actually an assistant principal, so okay. and a teacher yeah. it runs in the family. Yeah, it does. <laughs> And so I watched her be a teacher like my entire life. Um, and I saw how hard it was and all the hours that it took from. Yeah. So it didn't immediately spark interest. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And, um, and I would tell her like, no way. I would never be a teacher. Right. Never be a teacher. 
That's hilarious. Um, never say never. I know. <laughs> and I really take that to heart now. But um, so when people were, you know, encouraging me to go into the classroom, um, Teach for America came up. Mm-hmm. So um, during that year when I was applying to different jobs, it was just very hard to, you know, get a job. So I actually started substitute teaching okay. and tutoring. Um, and that's when it, the spark kind of like it just took over. Lit. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, wow, I actually really enjoy being around students, and I really enjoy like um, the camaraderie with them and that mentorship. And so that's when I decided to apply for Teach for America, um, and I was placed here in Memphis. So um, packed my bags. I literally just flew here. Um, so you're not from Memphis. Right? I'm not from Memphis. Okay. I'm from uh, Texas, El Paso, wow. Texas. Okay. Yeah. So flew, and as soon as I began teaching the classroom, I just it felt right, and I get emotional even talking about oh. it. Um, I just love connecting with my students, seeing their brilliance come to life, and. Um, I fell in love with Memphis as well. And I get that a lot, like, really, Memphis? And I'm like, you have no idea. Like, it's so amazing. There's so much history here, so much to do. Um, And just the community, just everything's just... I feel like this is where I belong. So I love that. Yeah. I think that emotion is what proves that you're on the right path, right? Yeah. Because we have those innate reactions to things that exactly. are almost right for us in a way, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And it kind of leads into something you said in your application when you applied. And you said, I have realized that as adults, we don't give our students a platform to use their voice, even though we always seem to encourage it. Like, you are, yeah. I think, from Whoa. your experiences and yeah. learning, mm-hmm. you want to exercise and give your students that capacity Absolutely. as well. So give us a little bit of insight into that. How do you help your students find their voice and utilize it? Yeah, so I think part of teaching that I didn't realize was going to happen is they have taught me so much more than I could ever teach them. Um, just like in my personal just being a person, right, and being mm-hmm. a human being. Um, and they're so vocal about things that they want, um, and they know what they want, and I think we don't give them that credit. Mm-hmm. And so when I have given them opportunities to really talk and express themselves, they come up with such amazing ideas. And so um, sometimes I feel like we do restrict them a little bit, Um, Even though, like I said, yeah, we do encourage it. But then when they do speak up, we're kind of like, oh, but this. Oh, but that. I know best. Yeah. Yeah. I know best. Like, we've been there, right? I'm an adult. Exactly. And so I really try to encourage them to, like, continue brainstorming, continuing to come up with ideas to really get their ideas out there and trying to give them that platform. And so I always think, put like, have that in the back of my mind, like, okay, they're expressing this, so let's try and get them to the next level so that they're able to accomplish their goals. So That's like convicting as a parent for me because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I do what, like the because I said so kind yeah. of a thing all the time. And so that's like, I need to kind of carve out more space to be like, listen, like yeah. you can have this thought, you can run with it. Like mm-hmm. I need to just kind of put my guardrails a little further back yeah. and allow them that, you know, kind of wide open, not wide open space. Yeah. You're not going to yeah, get, yeah. let's not get crazy here. I no, yeah. I'm the parent of a toddler, so I'm not going to get like, right. totally crazy. <laughs> but like, it's really inspiring to be like, hey, like they do know what they want to an extent yeah. and they don't need to always be told no. All yeah. that's going to do is stifle creativity. Exactly. And I think I also, growing up, um, the adults in my life always gave me that opportunity Mm -hmm. and whenever it wasn't given to me it just like created all these emotions in me so I always see my students like as almost like an equal um and I come with that perspective um because they are human and so I try to teach um not teach them but be that with them. I like that. So yeah. what would you say maybe as like a call to action for other educators? Like how do you think they can kind of try to implement that if they're listening to this and they're like, I like that, but what does that look like? Do you have any kind of an example that you could give? And yeah. if not, that's totally fine. I'm, tar- I'm sorry to put you on the no, spot. No. <laughs> um, so I know that like as educators, we're always like on a timeline. Mm-hmm. We always have to get things done within a certain amount of time. And so Sometimes if we're like behind or not on track, we get frustrated and that goes into the classroom with our students. Mm. So I think um, one way that I've allowed them to express themselves is just letting them know, look, give me a moment. 
um, mm-hmm. and you can write it down. So I always have them. Um, I have a like place in my classrooms um, where they can actually write down and put it in, like in a box, and I'll look at it later whenever save I have it for time. Later box. I yeah, save it for that. later. Yeah. Um, so. Or they'll just write me a note and put it on my desk. Or later that night, they'll send me like a text message, um, letting me know, um, and or even an email. So, just okay. giving them an opportunity to like write it down if I don't have time to like listen to them in that moment, and then going back and like talking to them about it later whenever I do have a chance. It's very validating. Yeah. yeah. Like I, even if I can't hear you right this second, I'm yeah. going to make the time to hear you. And yeah. so that you feel like your concerns are being heard. Exactly. That's a big deal. I think that's very much a lesson in emotional intelligence in a way. Like yeah. you are exercising the fact that you are human mm-hmm. and you are showing these students that you're teaching that, Hey, everyone has a moment when they're easy to listen exactly. and where they have to pull back from listening. And so I think you being an example of that to them will go miles for them as they continue to grow. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's very important. It's it honestly like allowing them and giving them that space mm-hmm. has really translated into like the, their academics. Like I get them whenever, like they know that we are respectful of each other. Um, and so that translates into like my lessons and into the quizzes and tests that they have to take. Like they're willing to do it for you and really for themselves mm-hmm. um, once they know that you're like on their side. So well, yeah. I like that. That's like you're getting the results, but you're going about it because you're treating them exactly as a human first and as a student second. Yes. Like almost. Yes. Yes. So. Um, if my notes serve me correctly, you are a more seasoned teacher. This is not your first or second year in the classroom. <laughs> correct. 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 So what year is it for you? Um, so here in Memphis, as a lead teacher, I'm a fifth year teacher. Okay. Um, but I also consider myself a seventh year um, because, in education. Yes, yeah. because of your Teach for America experience. Right? Um, actually, no. prior to your that. Your substitute oh. teaching, all of yes. that. Yes, yeah, substitute oh, okay. teaching. And then I was also tutoring as well. Yes. So I, I was doing long-term substitute teaching. Okay. So three months at a time in classrooms. Oh, yeah. It's not yeah. like one day here, one day there. Yeah, no. Okay. So, um, and that's kind of also where I got my passion for teaching because it almost was treated like as a babysitting job. Like I just had to sit there mm. and that bothered me. Ooh, um, and so I kind of was like, okay, what are you all supposed to be learning? Right. Um, and that's when I kind of started teaching students as best as I could. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of also like a story of how I started. Yeah. Well, like, that's very interesting that you say that about substitutes. Cause I remember mm. being in school and being that yes. age, right. And you're like, Oh, the sub is here today. We get, like, we get a, a free time. Yeah. yeah. Play some or games. Free three months. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But so you talked a little bit about, you've been in education now for seven years overarchingly yes. kind of what is the biggest thing you've learned in that seven years? Like the one thing mm. that always sticks with you. I think um, what we just talked about was um, listening to your students Mm -hmm. um, and really building relationships with them Um, because I don't just know them as people or students in the classroom. Mm -hmm. I know them as humans and as people, so I know their interests. Um, Sometimes I show up, actually most of the time I show up to their games, um, whether Uh it's volleyball, rugby, basketball, football, and so they're always seeing me around um, the community, like outside of the classroom. And so building relationships, I think is the biggest lesson I've learned because, um, I never really got that with my teachers, with some teachers I did, but, um, I think building relationships is huge. Um, especially in the classroom. So they know you're a true champion for them. Yeah. Not not just in, so, and we failed to mention this at the top, but so you are a math teacher. Yes, yes. And where do you teach? I teach at Freedom Prep um, Academy Charter. Okay. Um, in Westwood. Ooh. So the flagship campus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So whatever you're talking about, like being around the community, I was like, we failed to mention what yes. community. <laughs> so like, here we go. Okay. Yes. But that's very interesting because when you say that, when I think back to all the teachers who have impacted my life, the ones that I truly remember and made a difference in my trajectory, it's those teachers that did impact me inside the classroom but then outside of the classroom as well so I think to your point that is a key indicator of how these students interact with you and it builds that trust and companionship in a way yeah definitely um same thing um I remember and weirdly oddly enough were my math teachers that really were the ones that like maybe that's why (laughs) I love teaching math so much yeah so um 
yeah, definitely those relationships. I'm impressed are... by anyone that does math. I know. Like always. <laughs> yeah. It was never my strong suit. Ugh, I love math. Weirdly, I love math and um, history or my history two. was my jam. Yeah. Uh, yes. History, yes. <laughs> like so, you've been in the classroom for seven years. As At said, you're pretty well seasoned. What advice do you have for educators that have just entered the space and are new into their careers? I think um, give yourself grace. I love that. Um, you're not going to get it right every single time. And um, there's always going to be changes that you might not be able to control. And so just give yourself grace. Um, do the best you can because students see that. Um, and so if they see that and believe in you, you should be able to believe in yourself too. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Just have patience with yourself. Yeah. So you'll learn. So you got assigned to Memphis, but you yes. you are staying here by choice. Correct. So what is it about not just Memphis, but teaching in Memphis that you were that sparked so much joy in you that you were like, I'm gonna put down my roots here, and this is where I'm gonna be. Oh, there's so many things. I think again, just like the community that I work in, I'm so invested in them, and they're invested in me. Um, it just feels like a family. And actually, um, if I can tell a quick story. Yes, yeah. please. Um, so, again, I am living here um, without family. I guess my family is, like, my school community right. and any friends that I've made. Um, so I actually had gotten into a car accident a couple of years ago. And the first thing that came to mind was, like, who am I going to call? Like, I have yeah. no one here. My friends are working right now. Yeah. Um, and two parents, actually, two of my parents stopped, um, cause they had seen like that I was outside of my car, obviously that I had just gotten into a wreck and were just stayed there with me until the ambulance came until like everything was settled, offered me a ride to, um, wherever I needed to go. Um, and just were checking in on me. And that's when it kind of like hit me that I was like, wow, I really do have a place here. Um, and so again, I get emotional oh, saying that story, yeah. but, um, just the community, like that, that community I work with, um, they're just so amazing and they've really accepted me and like made me feel like it's home. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's why I love it so much. I love that so much because you, I'm so happy that we have teachers like you who are so dedicated to the calls and that community, yeah. the teacher community, but also you are now a part of the new Memphis community. And right. I'm just so grateful because yes. that I love hearing stories like Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to, speaking of community, I think it's really important for those listening who may want to know what, how can we as average people best serve teachers right now? Um, there's so much. Um, I feel like hmm, this is a tough question. I think recognizing that I feel like people think that it's such an easy job mm-hmm. and you have summers off. So, you know, yeah. like, so why are you not rested? So why are you not rested? <laughs> right. Um, so I think checking in on us, because um, mm. we are constantly thinking about our students. Um, even right now, I'm like, oh, I have to get to a game right now, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. Hopefully this lesson will be okay. Um, so just checking in and making sure that we're okay and giving us the opportunity to really rest up and um, relax as best as we can. So if you have family members that are teachers or friends, just reach out, take them out. Uh, self-care yeah (laughs) self-care is key for sure um and then in the classroom when it comes to like supporting them in the classroom if any funds that you can uh, give to them whether that's like supporting student athletes or um maybe school supplies uh things like that that teachers might need for the classroom is very helpful because we do spend our own That's money saying, it's out, out of, of your pocket. own pocket yeah. yeah and it's all year long not just at the beginning of the school year it's all year long we're always you know wanting to make sure that our lessons are as best as possible for our students so supporting them in that way um is so so helpful yeah i'm sure like you need sometimes special things to make a more impactful exactly. lesson in the classroom and i think people often forget that sometimes yes. that to be impactful sometimes requires money and if exactly. it's not there for you you spend your own yeah, yeah. and so. it's very different from like um showing a video compared mm-hmm. to actually like getting your hands on it um so that's huge huge so 
yeah, I think that would be the best way to support. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Alexia, this was so wonderful. We were so happy. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, we are so happy to have you in the Numibus Network as an educator of excellence. And we were so happy to get to share a little bit of your story today with everyone listening. So thank, thank you so you. much for taking the time. And we're going to let you go so you can get to, <laughs> back to your stuff. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate y'all. Hello, Abigail. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. You're just like a little ray of sunshine who just like bebopped (laughs) in the studio today. It's so fun. So we are here obviously to talk to you as one of our newly minted educators of excellence. How are you feeling? I feel so honored and humbled. (laughs) Genuinely. You're precious. I love you already. I know. I'm like, okay, cut the interview. We're good. This is is so cute. You're so genuine. Yes. So, like, you you obviously are a kick butt teacher. You're just killing the game. But we want to obviously hear a little bit more about you and share a little bit more about your story to the listener. So, let's start off with like, I feel like it's the basic question, but it's the one that you know, everyone needs to know, what made you want to become a teacher? Ooh, that's a fun question. Um, actually, on the first day of school this year, I had a student raise his hand and he asked me that exact what? question and I was blown away by him. I was like, that was a very <laughs> perceptive question. Um, but yes, so my answer to him and that answer is still true today is that I felt like I had spent 18 years, whatever it was, pouring education into myself. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I was only able to achieve those things um, because of teachers who had poured themselves into me. So I just really felt a calling to pay that forward because I had so many educators who supported me in so many different ways. Um, And I, I believe in the power of that. And I wanted to do that exact same thing. Could you just, that. like, write a more perfect answer? That was <laughs> wonderful. You need to, like, thank that student. They prepared you. They did. They did. <laughs> it's also, to me, super insightful because you teach middle school, correct? Correct. So it's not like – I feel like that's a very, like you said, like, perceptive question. Yes. A very intentional mm-hmm. question yes. from a middle schooler because I feel like – I've seen the memes or however you say it floating around where like yeah. elementary school teachers are like all like rainbows and sunshine yeah. and mm-hmm. high school teachers are all like very stern and like you have like you have to be friends with your like students or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the middle school is just like you're in the trenches. It's the battleground. Yes, we yeah. are actually in the trenches. <laughs> I mean, middle school is a trip for anybody yeah. just like to go through anyway. It's yes. just I mean, everything is crazy Mm -hmm. so to to put yourself there intentionally takes a certain kind of spirit which I feel like you definitely have a certain positivity (laughs) to kind of corral people when they're like trying to figure out who the heck they are Mm -hmm. so what made you pursue that um so initially I got placed in middle school through my placement with Teach for America oh awesome um so at the time, I had done some teaching prior to Teach for America, and I knew that I wanted to work with older students. And for a while, I thought that that was going to be high school. Um, but then I ended up getting placed in middle school, and I was like, all right, we're going to rock and roll with it and see what <laughs> happens. Um, and I really love the age group now. Like you said, we are in the trenches. <laughs> yes. I think, yes. <laughs> yeah. But they're so funny. Like, the problem is, is that I laugh at them. Not, I don't laugh at them, but yes. I just, I laugh at their jokes too much yeah. because I genuinely, their sense of them. humor, yes, is my <laughs> sense of humor and it's just great. That's hilarious. <laughs> so you said, you mentioned TFA, which mm-hmm. is Teach for America. So does that mean you are not originally from Memphis? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Where did you come? Like, where did you come from? Where do you come from? <laughs> yes. Home Home is a tiny town called Inez, Texas. Oh, wow. Yes. So you came through TFA to Memphis. You had the option. You know, you I know the rules of TFA. You stay for a little <laughs> bit. But, like, yeah, the rules of TFA. We're just going to write that on thing. But, <laughs> like, you chose to stay here, though. You're still here now. So mm-hmm. why Memphis to continue? Um. Well, I mean, I did get placed here. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think that in moving here I've been able to see like all of the different aspects that the city really has to offer um and even 
last year it was kind of difficult because we were virtual yes. and it was difficult to get to know a city that I had just moved to. Um, but I think despite that, I really, I appreciate all the resources that are here and especially all of the different pockets of community that are here. That's something that I think is really special about this city. Awesome. Well, so you are in like the new, you're not a newbie, but you are newbie. Oh, I am. Yes, like, absolutely. You know, <laughs> I was like, I'm hesitant to like call you that because I feel like after a year like last year, like you can't call someone a newbie. Oh, no, you can all day long. <laughs> so, but like being in like your new-ish face, like mm-hmm. what is something you're most proud of that you've accomplished in this time? Oh, man. I think I'll have to brag on my students. Um, I am most proud of the relationships that I have with them. And I'm most proud of the fact that I had parents calling me last year, them reaching out to me and telling me, hey, this is going on with my child just to let you know, um, can you support them? And like the answer is always going to be yes, but I just, I would feel so honored that their parents would trust me enough and that they would let me in enough to even ask for that help or to let me into their personal lives. Oh, I love that. I saw, yeah. again, me with the memes, like something yeah. floating around. <laughs> but um, I saw something that was like uh, a teacher passed out on like the first night that was like handle with care. Like if, if you've had a bad night, if you've had a bad weekend, mm-hmm. if your child's like going through something, just text me or email me handle with care and mm-hmm. I'll know. And that's, I feel like, what you're talking about here is that it's not just like, uh, I was going to say nine to five, but that's not the school hours. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> seven to two, yeah. exactly. whatever job. It, mm-hmm. it is really, truly a 24-7 job. Absolutely. Like you're pouring yourself into making them the people that they mm-hmm. will be, not just the students that they'll be in the mm-hmm. future. Absolutely. Yes. So take me on a walk. What What was your first year in education like? Ooh, man. How long do we have to sit here and talk about it? <laughs> So like, but truly like, so it, so in a nutshell, mm-hmm. like the spark notes version okay. of, you know, <laughs> your first year and what you would hope that you could, what little nugget of advice you would give to new teachers? Oh, what nugget of advice would I give to new teachers? I would tell them that regardless of the amount of work that you do on the front end before you begin teaching. So I think that that work is very important and very valuable you need to know day one what you're walking yourself into but after that day one (laughs) you need to be open to realizing that you don't really know a lot (laughs) (laughs) and just yeah being flexible exactly but in all seriousness just being open to um adopting new perspectives and realizing that I think like you mentioned, like educating the whole child and being aware that there are situations that I know that there are situations that my students were facing that I had never experienced before. Right. Um, and just being willing to walk in that with them um, and realizing that you're not going to have the answers in those moments, but they still need you by their side regardless. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love, think that's... I love that. Yeah, now I'm going to start like, crying. I was like, we're all going to just start crying right now. But let's let's talk. Let's, let's bring it back up. Let's okay, okay. Okay, so like you actually have told uh, in your application, like the four expectations of your classroom are to be present, be mm-hmm. respectful, be engaged, and be the owner of your education. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Like what does it mean and look like for a students to own their education? Yeah, that was something that, Um, especially last year at the outset, I set that very intentionally because I'm a firm believer that I'm not going to force you to do anything. Um, I'm going to push you in the right direction, but at the end of the day, my job is to support you to where you make that choice for yourself. So if, if I can support you to where you're invested in your own education, oh my gosh, we are off to the races, like (laughs) sky's the limit, you're golden. Um, So that was kind of the reasoning behind that expectation. So owning your education to me means that students buy in Mm -hmm. and they buy in every single day. I like, I think there's going to be teachers listening. I think there's just people listening right now and they are probably just as mind blown as I am because that's not something you hear a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like putting the ownership on the child yes. to own their education, mm-hmm. I think is a very powerful message. And again, we just don't hear that narrative that often. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So you are just a killer teacher. Oh, and I know you. you're like, I know you consider yourself still a newbie, but oh, yeah. just talking with you now, like you are learning so much and implementing mm-hmm. so much. And something you also wrote in your application that I have to talk about is you wrote, <laughs> I believe that a vital new Memphis, which is part of our mission, guys, <laughs> will be will best be best built through a series of small moments that eventually amount to large change. Mm-hmm. So I Ooh. really, right? It's so good. <laughs> and so I want to know, what are some of your favorite small moments that you've experienced along the way that you can see, like, amounting to that large change mm-hmm. later? Yeah. Um, one of them is kind of what I talked about earlier when I had a parent reach out to me, particularly mm-hmm. about a really personal situation yes. that happened with her child. Um, and to me, again, that was really important because it showed me that she trusted me and she trusted me in a situation that I knew absolutely right. nothing about. And I think that if we're able to build that trust, especially mm-hmm. I know that I'm working in a community that. I cannot relate to them all the time. Mm -hmm. I can't relate to my students all the time and they can't relate to my background all the time. But I think that building that trust and building those relationships are what amount to change. They are what amount to people being able to have conversations and people being able to, I don't know, move forward with hopefully I don't know, like equal resources for everybody. That's it. (laughs) No, I think that's wonderful. I think it is really about, to your point, right, building that trust. But with that trust comes an open line of communication. Mm -hmm. And once that communication is established, it allows for parents to reach out to you in a more trustworthy way. It allows your students to communicate with you in a more honest way, Mm -hmm. right? And vice versa, right? It lets you do the work you need to do in your classroom and outside of it to make sure you're setting these students up for success. Exactly. So I think that is honestly wonderful, and I I could talk to you forever, quite (laughs) honestly. Uh, But so my question is that, like, I feel like teaching is. I feel like we ask people this all the time. Like, what Mm -hmm. do you want the What do you want the community to know about being an educator? And Mm -hmm. more often than not, don't let me steal your answer if if this isn't your (laughs) answer. But more often than not, the answer is that it's it's more than just like a day job. Mm -hmm. It is truly like a calling and like a living and a mission and things like that. So knowing that your day job is your like full life essentially (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that, and that it is very emotionally and sometimes physically taxing. Where do you look for support as an educator? Oh, as an educator, I think, um, within Memphis, Memphis itself, the community that I work with, um, and really, trying to lean into those parent relationships those guardian relationships whoever it is trying to lean into that community and sometimes that goes better than other times and that's just how it goes um but regardless of that making sure that like you said those lines of communication are open that and i do have a really good group of friends here um and being able to spend time with them and of course my family all of all of those types of things are always great for support they are always excited to hear crazy stories that happen good <laughs> stories that yeah. happen those sorts of things i love it Chickasaw um, middle is lucky to have you oh well thank like, you oh absolutely <laughs> um so like i said it's more than just in the classroom that you're doing so i mm. have a little birdie here in my notes says that <laughs> you're in charge of your school's website yes and <laughs> you serve on your school's discipline team yes so tell me about that what is um, that like yeah so <laughs> <That> sounds like <laughs> having to be bad cop all day every day is that what it is or not at all not really <laughs> um which is interesting so that discipline team that i am a part of um that was that's essentially something that we're doing within our school to try to move towards um, less punitive discipline and more so communication of expectations. So communicating more clearly what we expect um, all the time and making sure that we have a very clear hierarchy of how things are going to go so that we don't get to those escalation points, hopefully. So that's what all that is about. (laughs) Well, AT mentioned too, the website, um, Mm -hmm. you're working to manage that. So talk to us a little bit about what's the importance that the website serves for like your school in particular. Mm -hmm. I think especially last year when we were all virtual for essentially the whole school year, to me, it was important that parents have access to information, um, especially 
because we don't have announcements coming over the intercom in the morning. We oh, don't true, have true, yeah. like all of those basic things in school that just allow for the community and students to generally know what's going on. Um, so, yes, a lot of that would be um, my principal sending me something saying, hey, can you get this on the website like right now? And it's like, yes, of course, <laughs> like done. But I think that that's important and it needs yeah. to be done because people need to know like logistical things to be able to function yes. <laughs> agree like your students your parents your stakeholders anybody like you saw a need and you were like okay guys we've got to fix this mm-hmm. and so it just speaks to why you're an educator of excellence honestly you seem like someone who steps up to the plate whether Thank it's you. discipline the <laughs> website or just communicating with students on a personal level mm-hmm. so we love to see it <laughs> <laughs> well I love to be it Ooh, oh rhyme yeah (laughs) I do like that oh gosh well Abigail thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today we're so honored to welcome you into the new Memphis family as a educator of excellence thanks to the Cruz Foundation um so any last parting words that you would like to say to the listening audience about educators Ooh, about I would say to educators that you all need to know how appreciated you are Um, and also to circle back to exactly what you were saying, you need to take time to take Mm -hmm. care of yourself. Um, and just to make sure that you're all right before you go into a classroom and you try to give and pour yourself out to others. Um, so just taking those moments to be like, all right, I'm going to sip some tea and just have a nice time because then you can keep giving and keep pushing forward, but you can't do that without being, um, well within yourself. And this is our organic opportunity to push our stride programming (laughs) right now. (laughs) Yes. 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 You cannot pour from an empty cup, guys. And that is what, Mm -hmm. yeah, New Memphis Stride is here for um, all first, second, and third year educators. I always say grade. That Mm -hmm. is incorrect. incorrect. First, second, and third year (laughs) educators. Uh, check out our stride program to get to build your social network with other other educators. Sorry, I cannot speak right now <laughs> with other educators and also to um, have de- professional development outside of that, which is offered within your lovely establishments. But Abigail, again, thank you so much for being here. This thank was so, much, so fun. much for having me. And I am so incredibly honored that. Y'all even considered me and chose me. I just, I'm floored. That's it. Everybody's going to cry today. (laughs) We're going to go off the air now before we just (laughs) sob into the microphone. All right. Thank you, Abigail. Thank you. Bye. guys we are here with Kayla Jernigan how are you ma'am I'm doing well how are you guys good we're so happy to have you here yet another educator of excellence winner Um, we are so excited one to have you but two to be able to present you with like this award after we read your entry and everything is just breathtaking so we're about to get into the nitty-gritty of those questions for you but before we really dive in depth I kind of want to start off with the softball. Why did you become a teacher? Yeah, I think that I kind of always wanted to be a teacher. I'd never really thought about anything else. I grew up in a house where um, my mom really loves children. Where mm. She has a daycare that she runs out of okay. her home. So I always grew up around kids and um she actually kept a lot of teachers' kids in her daycare, so I would get to go to school with my teachers. They would come drop their kids off <laughs> at my house, and then I'd go and um, go to school with them. So I kind of got exposed really early to just teacher life and education, and um, I just saw how deeply those teachers affected my life, and I wanted to do the same yeah, so you're just like, I see this, and I want it. Yeah. This is my future. Yeah. <laughs> and not even just that, but you, so you're from Memphis originally. You're native Memphian, born, yes. and, born and raised, right? Yes, yes, product of SCS schools. Oh, hey. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and a graduate of University of Memphis. Yes, go so, Tigers. Uh, yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> so um, we talked a little bit about this before we got on air today, but you have your, um, your undergraduate degree was in education. Yes. Which I feel like is... I guess not unique, but it is unique for some of the educators that I feel like I bump into just around town these days. I feel like a lot of people, it's very popular, very in vogue to Mm -hmm. do the alternative routes. So like the Teach for America, MTR, things like that. Yeah. 
So can you talk to me a little bit about why you decided to major in education? Yeah, I love those organizations. I mean, some of the best educators I know are through MTR and TFA, and I see such value in that. I think I just knew what I wanted by the time undergrad rolled around for me. I think I just kind of knew going into college what I wanted, and I was like, how can I get to the classroom the quickest? And for me, that was my undergrad at U of M, and I loved the program and hopped straight into teaching right after college. So. So what is, uh, I'm sure everything probably is different than about (laughs) learning about teaching from a textbook in Mm -hmm. school versus actually teaching yourself. But what was that like first day in the classroom like for you? So my first day is actually one of my favorite teaching stories. I like walked in on the first day and for some reason, I don't know what was going on in the building. We had a um, little moment where (laughs) I... I came in and all my floors were like wet and I didn't know why. I I think it was just something in the HVAC system or like a window left open or something. It was so humid in my classroom on that first day of school. Kids were like slipping and falling and put their papers down on the desk and it was like wet and it was just a whole mess. So my first day of school was chaos, but (laughs) um, looking back, you know, there is no better prep than making it through a day of chaos in the classroom. <laughs> so, no, I, I do feel like my education prepared me at the University of Memphis because there was so many practical mm-hmm. um, things that we had to do, especially my student teaching. Um, mm, I did yeah. my student teaching at campus school connected through the University of Memphis, and they really did prepare me. My mentor teacher was wonderful. Um, so by the time I got to the classroom, I really did feel prepared. Yeah, that's you great. You got that yeah. real world application yeah. on the first day. You're like, it can only go up from right. here. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And teaching is full of those moments. Yes. So if you can get through those little moments, then you're I like good. that you call you're them good. little moments. Oh, you know, like, that's all we can do. <laughs> a challenge or an yeah. opportunity yeah. rather than, yeah. Yeah. So you teach third grade? I do, yeah. I teach third grade reading. Okay. Oh, that was my favorite. Favorite. I was about to say, like, yes. I feel like so many, we're such bookworms over mm-hmm. here. We're like, okay, tell us more. Same, yeah. But truly, like, how did you decide that that was, did you decide that that's the subject you wanted to teach? Did you kind of get placed there? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so um, I started off as actually an associate teacher at my school. Um, and I did second grade that year because I was also doing the downline program. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. so um, I just wanted a year of kind of transitioning into the classroom. So I did full-time associate teaching. And then after that, they were like, all right, we want you in a lead position. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want? What are your interests? And I definitely wanted to stay in the like second or third grade range. And they had an opening in third grade writing and social studies. So that's what I did for three years. Um, and then this is my first year actually oh, teaching wow. reading. And that's just the dream. I yeah. love reading. I love books. I love literature. And third grade specifically is just so fun because the best way I describe it to other people is, um, especially to parents that have third grade scholars, I say third grade is the time where you transition from learning how to read to reading to learn. Yeah. So now we're done learning how to read. And now you've got to know how to read to learn all the other things that the world has to teach us. I was about to say, yeah, Yeah. third grade is that big marker. It's that big milestone for reading. So, like, no pressure. You're You're in the thick of it. Oh, it's so fun, though. I love it. Well, you're also on that precipice with, like, third graders. They're right before being considered, like, middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they're still at that, like, sweet spot age. Yes. (laughs) I always say it's so fun because... They're still cute. They still like their <laughs> teacher. They still write the cute little notes like, I love you, Miss Dern, again. But I don't have to teach them how to, like, stand in a line or use scissors. Right. <laughs> like, or go to the bathroom. Right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they yeah. can do those things on their own. They're a little more independent, but they're still, like, uh, yeah. you know, in that sweet, innocent age. Yeah. So it's fun. Well, I know you said, you mentioned uh, AT and y'all mentioned Go Tigers, so you mm-hmm. of them. But, like, you... From what I remember, you're a first-gen college student as well, correct? I am, yeah. First-generation college <gasps> student. Yeah. So yeah. I'm curious kind of how that informs, you know, as you teach these young minds. Like, how does that inform your teaching style? Yeah, I think my school is just a school that really encourages um, kids to have big goals. And we have high expectations and um, a huge 
thing at our school is to prepare kids, not just K through five, mm -hmm. but for their future, going all the way to college. And so um, I think it's informed my teaching in a couple of ways. One, that you can do anything. That's the message I send my kids. You can mm -hmm. do anything you set your mind to. You can dream big. You can have these expectations. But also that can mean college or not. Because right. I also see people in my family who have been incredible leaders in the yes. community. And college was not their path. Um, but also college was my path. And I couldn't do what I do without it. And so I think it just opens up this world of opportunities um, as I teach. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, my family has come into the classroom when that's been safe um, to enter into the classroom. You know, times are crazy now. But <laughs> Back in the day, yeah. um, my parents would come visit and read to the kids. And I love that my kids have that model mm -hmm. because they didn't go to college, but my parents are leaders in the mm -hmm. community. They have made a huge impact on Memphis, and um, that can happen with or without college. So. Yeah, it's, there's yeah. more than one way to succeed and lead, right? Yeah, and I think 100%. that's the like, prime way to showcase that, honestly. Yeah. Um, so there's so much to talk to you about so you also at your school outside of teaching outside of being a fantastic teacher of reading you also mentor some associate teachers kind yeah. of I know you were an associate teacher so that mm -hmm. probably is where the birth of that happened yeah but like why do you find it so important to mentor those teachers and like kind of what is something unexpected you yourself have learned through the process yeah Education is hard. It is a <laughs> hard field to be in. And the best, the the place that I've grown the most, or the thing, no book, no PD, no professional development, nothing that I've ever experienced has ever taught me as much as my coworkers have. Mm. My mentor teachers, the people down the hall, the teacher across the hall that watches your class when you go to the bathroom. Oh my gosh, yeah. They're the most impactful people and they're who I learn from the most. And it's such an intimate, like sweet experience to share a classroom with somebody because my classroom's my sacred place. I mean, mm -hmm. it's the second home. I'm there more than I'm at home, honestly. <laughs> right? yeah. And so to share that with somebody is just a really special experience. And I know how much I've been impacted by my mentors. And so, yeah, I started a couple years ago, just, you know, there was a opportunity of one young teacher who wanted to be a lead teacher soon and so I said hop on in and yeah. started mentoring her and um, I have another one starting up in a couple weeks so I'm really excited. You're just yeah. out here killing the games while you're an educator of excellence. I know <laughs> I, I, that's so exciting. Um, what is something that you what is like what's the first thing you impart what is the first bit of wisdom that you impart upon these uh, associate teachers? I think just to assume the best, um, get to know your kids, get to know their families, and truly invest in them. Because mm -hmm. there's, as a teacher, we're going to teach thousands of kids across our career, you know, and I want every single one of them to be able to look back and be like, Miss Jernigan was my teacher. You know, once you're my kid, you're mine forever. And does it make it more difficult when you get really emotionally invested in kids and their families? Sure. Like, is there more nights laying awake at night wondering, <laughs> like, if everybody's okay? And did they get their homework? And, oh, my goodness, I think that kid that has a lack that is lactose intolerant ate some at lunch like you know are you gonna <laughs> lay awake at night thinking of those things when you emotionally invest yes but also just you get to reap the benefits and see the fruit of that labor for so many years and even now my first group of second graders just went off to middle school and getting to watch them graduate and go yeah. off to middle school and I actually just drove by Grizz Prep and saw some of them like walking in their little uniforms <laughs> and I'm like ah goodness like I mean there is no prouder moment than when a parent or a student comes back into your room and says like you made a difference yeah. like this is the a moment that like defined something in my life and like you get to be connected to that so I just tell my student teachers go all in like invest get attached like you got to do it of so. course oh my gosh. you do yes yeah. 
it, like whenever you were just talking, all I could think about was my third grade. Like mm-hmm. she, she was my teacher. <laughs> she was, I think, all the subjects at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was specifically like zoned in on reading, like Stone Soup and like all mm-hmm. this other stuff. Like we did these little plays and whatever. And she was one of my favorite teachers, honest to goodness, my third grade teacher. And so as you're just sitting here talking about the impact you made, I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. like all the light bulbs are going off. Like my heart is swelling. I'm like, yes, because that is like you talked about earlier. It's such a tender age, but yeah. it is such an impressionable age. It so is. Yeah. My third grade teacher is also my favorite teacher I've ever had. And I have so many core memories from her classroom, yes. just sitting in that desk and walking through those halls with her. Like I remember those things and she's a huge part of why I'm a teacher. And so you know, you just get to connect those dots forever. And I can't wait to watch these kids graduate and see what they do and what they become. And yeah, it's, it's a huge gift and blessing for sure. That is super exciting. You are, you are such a like inspirational teacher. Like you really have like this sweet, like you can tell you care about Mm -hmm. the job you're doing every day. So I know you're born and bred in Memphis. You went to U of M, but what you could go teach anywhere Mm -hmm. you really could like you're a great teacher you could choose to pick up and leave but you choose to stay yeah like what keeps you in memphis the city of memphis is well first it's home but also it's just invested so much in me i can't imagine investing this much into Mm -hmm. another city i mean i said i'm a product of shelby county schools and not just that, but like I'm a, I feel like I'm a product of Memphis, just, you know, going to University of Memphis, doing the Downline Emerging Leaders Program. Like there's so many things, my church, my community, my family from Memphis, you know, all of these things have left such an impact on me. And I just see so much potential in Memphis. And it's just such a it's just such a fun place to be. It's always growing. It's always changing. Yeah. It's always evolving. There's so many people committed to the mission of um, making our city great mm-hmm. that it's just so fun to be a part of, like to know that there's so many people that I'm linked arms with, not just teachers, but like all these organizations in the city of Memphis that just link arms together to make it better. And I just, I can't imagine doing it anywhere else. That is like a perfect answer. I know, my (laughs) word. So I know like the last 18 months have not been a a great time to really do much of anything, but least of all of like (laughs) being an educator has been extraordinarily difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it's been, yeah, particularly (laughs) difficult. So Mm -hmm. have there been like either one lessons that you come out of it and you're like actually this is the priority instead of Mm -hmm. what I originally thought or like what have been some of the silver linings like those little bright spots that you've been able to connect with I think one gift of um when we have had to learn virtually um some gifts that I saw were just I get an inside look into these kids homes Mm -hmm. and their lives I mean it's just a more intimate setting when I'm like I'm literally watching you in your bedroom, (laughs) you know, and just getting to see that part of their life because they're more themselves Mm -hmm. in that. Like when we're in the classroom, it takes a while for some of their colors to start showing. But when they're at home and you're just like, I'm in my environment now, like they're just so themselves. And I think there is um, it, it almost just was a gift that I knew for how many ever hours a day that like I had eyes on the kids, they had eyes on me. Like it is such a gift that um, despite all the crazy going Mm -hmm. on in the world, despite all the things around us that were changing and evolving and, you know, scary, we hear scary things going on in the Mm -hmm. world, you know, that that was a constant that I was able, I can't provide much in this time. I can't hug you like I normally would. I can't, you know, hold your hand while you're crying. I can't put a Band-Aid on your boo-boo. But, like, I can be a face that is consistent, that, that's there every day, and that loves you. And I still got to communicate with these kids, no matter if it was in the classroom socially distanced mm-hmm. or, um, you know, through a Zoom call. That connection was still there, and that's a connection we all craved during this pandemic is just to be known and loved and cared for, Um and just communication, the social aspect of it all. So that that schools still got to provide that and like praise the Lord for technology, just like that we got to provide those things. Like it's just such a gift, so yeah. Yeah. 
that's just again like you speak so eloquently to the work you're doing and so I would love to hear from your perspective for those listening right now what is something the average person could do to step up and help guide the work you guys are doing and like add value to it yeah I would say number one encourage your teacher friends they need (laughs) encouragement we all do I mean things have been hard the last 18 months so I think encouraging teachers and just supporting uh, that work by a word of encouragement um, a cup of coffee you know (laughs) whatever all teachers need to be caffeinated absolutely (laughs) couldn't go without it Um, but I think also just like talking to teachers about like what are the needs of your school I think every school is different you know some schools it might be um, providing snacks some schools it might be you know having if schools are open up to volunteers to come you know read or tutor spending that time with kids um, is such a gift and teachers can't do it all alone we can't bear that whole burden it takes a community it takes a village to raise these kiddos and so I think just contacting schools contacting your teacher friends um, and just kind of seeing what work needs to be done and divide and conquer you know (laughs) yeah I imagine like having that community support helps Mm -hmm. in retaining teachers as well oh a hundred percent my community of friends and family are huge in supporting my classroom I've had um I do this one thing where I I, I have my kids numbered like one through 21 Uh the number of kids and my friends and family like draw a number and that's the kid they don't know their names or anything but they just like they draw the number and they um think about that kid throughout the year they may pray for that kid throughout the year and at Christmas they provide books for the um, kids to take home over Christmas break so that they can read a book we know that a book is in every home of my kids and um, at the end of the year I always let them write them like a letter and just kind of introduce themselves and be like hey I was thinking of you all school year and this is me and so it's just like I'm going to cry. I think think it just, you've got to just know your teachers, um, know who in your community is a teacher and ask how you can support them. Um, And that's been huge for my community of people that have surrounded me. They've done that. They've provided books for my classroom library. They've provided, you know, breakfast bars for kids that might not come in with a breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like our school provides breakfast, but if they come in late, you know, right. things like they that. Just those little things that, you know, we it really does take a village. So yeah. And it helps fill those gaps mm-hmm. and definitely it fills your tank in a way that yeah. is different than anything else can. Yeah, 100%. And we want to retain all the great educators, right. great educators like Kayla and beyond. Yes, like so we many need good them educators. here in Memphis. And guys, we can do, it doesn't take a lot right. to show up and support. So ask your teacher friends next time you see yes. them, not just if they're okay, but what can I do to help you? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and if you're really feeling like excited, you could mention this numbering system yes. and all of this other stuff because, oh my word, think about like if that, like the ripple effect of that and yeah. what it could, I mean, now I'm going to like flip from emotional to like logistically <laughs> and like economical. But I mean, if third grade is that marker and we all started pulling together and 100%. I mean, we could move that needle. Yeah. One book at a time. A hundred percent. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's like a great place to end. Kayla, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming and being on the podcast. We are so excited to have you now as an educator of excellence. I'm so excited. Applause. Thank you. Uh, yes, <laughs> congratulations again. It thank is you. well deserved. And we hope that very shortly you will enjoy um a hopefully robust Christmas holiday. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. Thank you guys. Holy moly, what a good episode, AT. That is one great group of educators. I can't even. We were already hopped up enough if you guys were. It, like, I'm so happy you guys got to hear what we just got to hear because I can't even. I truly cannot even. And lucky for you, dear listener, we have one more Educator of Excellence episode coming at you next Tuesday, where we get to interview the final two honorees of our 2021 Educators of Excellence. Ooh, and guys, in the meantime, you know what you can do? You can always follow along New Memphis at the New Memphis on all four major social networks. That's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. And also... 
these teachers that you're listening to, New Memphis does work specifically for early educators called Stride, and we have other work as well. But we also are taking nominations for our leadership development programming from an array from young professionals all the way to senior level executives. We have our Embark Fellows and LDI programs. You can learn about all of this, our educator work, and our work for collegians at newmemphis.org. And look, we've had a big morning. We have, <laughs> and it'll, it'll be 2022 before we know it, which is crazy to me. And so it will be time for those new cohorts of our leadership development to, you know, be off to the races. And so we really want to make sure that we have a wonderful, diverse class of young professionals, mid-career professionals, executive professionals, young teachers, collegians, all of the all the things. Yeah. Nominate, apply today at newmemphis.org. Yes. What better way to kick off the new year than to support development in yourself? So on that, that note, happy Tuesday, Bye. Memphis. This week's episode was made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com.